Hey, it's Hardy Wrestling with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm so glad that you are here and that you've actually decided to listen to me. I'm glad to be back after taking a week hiatus and dealing with some things and getting myself together. Um, So this week is going to be a little different. I'm going to do the regular news and gossip-ish, but I'm going to have a very different type of story time in discussing everything that's been going on in the world and how it affects wrestling and how it's been affecting me and basically how we can move forward past it to a certain degree. And I'm going to talk about the weekly programming in WWE. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Hardy Wrestling with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. Right, so now we're in our news and gossip-ish segment. There's a lot going on in the wrestling world, so we're just going to discuss it here. (laughs) So first up on the agenda is the fact that Brock Lesnar is reportedly expected to be back for SummerSlam, as he tends to do for larger events or like the big four um, events that include WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and the Royal Rumble. So, according to Dave Meltzer, the big OG of wrestling news, he's expected to be a part of the SummerSlam pay-per-view, which is currently scheduled for August 23rd in Boston. We don't know if it's going to be um, really in Boston because, of course, they've been having all of their WWE events in the Performance Center due to the crisis. So, um, I'm pretty sure he'll have a big part of it maybe with Drew McIntyre if he's still champion by next weekend's time um because the last time we saw Brock Lesnar he lost um his championship to Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania night two so um along with that it might be a huge rematch involved who knows we'll see what that happens sometimes I just get a little bit irritated with Brock Lesnar because he tends to take over everything that he's ever in even though he's totally a part-time wrestler and there are people who work full-time for the company who could very well use that opportunity for a big title but you know Brock Lesnar can just jump in front of the line and get whatever he wants so there's that um we also have the unfortunate news of Jinder Mahal having to undergo knee surgery he did post on Instagram today that he was um he had to go under the knife again to fix some knee issues and that his journey had hit a speed bump but I will be back stronger than ever he made a return on April 27th on Raw where he won a match against Akira Tozawa but and then he also won two matches on main event but he wound up having to disappear from TV again due to his surgery he's a former WWE champion if you can remember maybe two years ago he won two or three years ago he won the wwe championship in an in in an extremely shocking match um against aj styles he won it on a smackdown and everybody was like whoa like he really won because everybody remembered jinder mahal as this um jobber type of wrestler he was a member of 3mb with heath slater drew mcintyre and himself so nobody really ever imagined that he would grow to become a WWE champion but he had so here's hoping he makes a speedy recovery and that he'll bounce back as quickly as possible on to some other news Leo Rush or at least his that's what his wrestling name used to be this um basically went on Twitter and talked about how WWE rehired Drake McIntyre not I mean geez Drake Maverick (laughs) Um, I'm trying to combine two different wrestlers, Drew McIntyre and Drake Maverick. What in the world? Anyway, um, Leo said that WWE rehiring Drake Maverick was a slap in the face. Now, as you know, with the crisis, there came that one weekend where there were a lot of firings and furloughs in terms of the crisis. And one of the one of the furloughs or firings that caught people's attention was Drake Maverick because he had released a video reacting to it and he was crying in the video because this was his life and this was his dream. And then he had been scheduled to participate in the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament taking place on NXT. 
so he had planned on wrestling those final matches um, until it was set for him to leave the company. So I'm going to talk about it later in the show. He wrestled and now he's signed to NXT after having lost in the finals against El Hijo del Fantasma, who became the Cruiserweight Champion. So I'm assuming Leo Rush was frustrated about it and he tweeted saying, man, are they going to hire everyone back then? Kind of a slap in the face to use this as a shoot work, but I guess I'm not surprised. Super happy for anyone getting their job back, but damn, real trauma and a lot of others were a part of this. Now, around April, they let go a bunch of wrestlers, including Leo and Rusev, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. And they have not been scheduled to come back at all. But then you have people like Drake and like, Kurt Angle and like Drew Gulak who have made their returns to television after they've been supposedly released. So it's kind of up in the air which ones are real and which ones aren't. The lines are incredibly blurred, but I can understand how Leo Rush could probably feel um, about that because he was let go even after he reinvented himself and sort of bounced back from his issues to become a Cruiserweight Champion. And then he lost and then he wound up um, being fired so I could understand his frustrations but here's hoping he can bounce back and do whatever he's meant to do in wrestling also something interesting that I found on Twitter in a gossip in sort of in a gossipy space there was a hashtag called hashtag free Adam Cole and I guess some of these people just started this hashtag out of nowhere because they feel like um that the, they feel like a rumor that Adam Cole is supposed to be leaving NXT was supposed to have some validity to it, which is kind of weird because why would you want to free Adam Cole when he's actually been a triple crown champion in NXT? Like he's gotten just about any type of rub that you can imagine. He's, he's the current NXT champion. He's held that title for a year now um, this week. He has also been, he was the very first, I believe, NXT North American champion, and he's been a multiple time tag team champion with the Undisputed Era. So there's really nothing that he hasn't been given already. So why in the world would a rumor run rampant that he's getting ready to leave when he's clearly been given so much to do? This guy beat Daniel Bryan live on SmackDown last year when they were doing the Survivor Series thing and NXT was participating for the first time. So I just don't think that that rumor is true. Um, so um, that was just a really weird hashtag to see trending. So I just hope that he does his best in the match that he has with Velveteen Dream in the backyard brawl at NXT TakeOver In Your House this weekend. But y'all know I'm rooting for Velveteen Dream. So, so, um, that's pretty much, um, all that I have to say about that little hashtag free Adam Cole. And also in the news, we have, um, WWE announcer and commentator Corey Graves releasing a new podcast with his girlfriend, Carmella, and it's called the Bear With Us podcast. And they're going by their real names, which is Matt Polinski and Leah Vandale. And they're going to be talking about relationships and, um, all kinds of different things. So that's going to be really cool to see. Um, it premieres, I believe, next Thursday, wherever podcasts are listened to. So basically anywhere you can listen to podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you can find it there. Corey Graves also has a podcast that's really enjoyable called After the Bell. So I would also suggest you listen to that too. It's really good. Um... I know a lot of people online said when it first came out, like, oh, it's a WWE um, shrill show, but it actually isn't. Like, it's a really good show, and Corey Graves' commentary on the wrestling landscape in terms of WWE is actually really good. So I would encourage you to listen to After the Bell and Bear With Us, so that's going to be good. And on with that, and with that, that's the end of the news and gossipish. Um, session. So now we're going to go to wrestling fan story time. And this is a very heartfelt one. Okay. So this wrestling fan story time is going to be a little bit different because 
normally I would be telling a really peppy, cool wrestling fan interaction that I may have had with a wrestler. I probably would have talked about something that really resonated with me this week um, on any of the programs, or I probably would have talked about interactions with other wrestling fans on social media. But honestly, I don't have anything to really talk about that would take the place of what's going on in our society and what's going on in the world of wrestling as it pertains to what's going on in society. As you all know, last week, a man by the name of George Floyd um, was tragically taken away from this earth far too soon because someone whom we would think that we could trust with our lives and trust to protect us decided to carelessly take it away. And it was caught on video and released everywhere. And I, as a black woman who lives in Birmingham, Alabama, was gutted by seeing it and I'm gutted by watching my friends sort of react to it um, in such an angry way. And I can't speak for everyone, but I just know that collectively we are all angry and I know that I am angry to a degree because it is 2020 and somehow or another there are people in the world who still feel like um, people like me shouldn't have the right to exist or shouldn't have the right to even breathe or make mistakes without it costing our lives. And as angry as it makes me and as frustrating as it is, um, the silver lining in this entire situation, if there truly is one, is the fact that there are so many people who have spoken out about it, so many people who are notable celebrities and so many people who are just, who are everyday people to talk about it and are learning about the different ways in which Black people are treated as second-class citizens in this country and there are people who are fighting incredibly hard and protesting incredibly hard to make a change and some of the people who have also spoken out about it have been wrestlers from the WWE, from Impact, from AEW and so many different places who are standing in solidarity with their fans, with their co-workers, with their crew and with anyone basically who was affected by any of this and that's been the best part of watching it for me because even though these people give me an escape every week it goes to show that this is where kayfabe ends and where humanity begins and watching people like charlotte flair um hashtag the black lives matter and watching people like becky lynch actually go to a protest um on today on instagram that she posted and seeing people like Naomi and Titus O'Neil use their platforms to speak out against it. And so many different wrestlers tweet and talk about it. It has been sort of a healing salve for me. And I'm hoping that it's a healing salve for any of the fans who are directly affected by this, who um, who directly have to deal with this, with this fear of existing on a regular basis. So, um... I don't have the answers. I can't say what happens from now until, you know, the end of the year, the end of the month, or even the end of the week in terms of this. But what I can say is I truly believe that justice can and will be served on behalf of him and his family and condolences to the family because God is just horrible. And I do believe that a change and a shift is going to come by hook or by crook and I truly believe as a black woman that we can rise from this learn from this learn from each other seek to teach each other and begin to and begin the healing process to us being able to live in a society in which we're not judged by how we look but basically our souls and I just want to say and quote my pastor, Pastor Mike Jr., who said at a rally this past Sunday that you 
or any evil force cannot have my history and you cannot have my future. And you can't even have my right now. Any evil force that tries to take anything away from you in in such a drastic way, you fight for it. And not only do you fight for it, you also seek to find your joy again. That's something that I'm doing as I'm taking care of myself. I'm trying to get closer with my higher self, get enough rest. I'm trying to um, still watch wrestling and find joy in the fact that um, NXT TakeOver in your house is um, this Sunday. I'm also finding joy in the fact that there's also a um, watch party that I'm, well, not even a watch party, but a zoom call party that i'm participating in um with some new friends in terms of wrestling podcasting i'm taking joy in the fact that i get to see my family every day and joy in the fact that um i get to love the people who i get to love every day so please for those who are listening to this show do not let society tell you that you don't matter and you don't have a voice and that you can't contribute anything because that's not true everybody has a purpose on this earth and if you are a black person listening to this podcast please know and hold on to my voice as i am saying this you have a purpose on this earth and don't let anybody tell you different and the biggest and greatest act of revolution is loving yourself and who you are and as long as you take that and know that and run with it there is nothing that anybody or any evil force can take away from you. Not racism, not sexism, not nothing. You are great and you are beautiful and this is a black future in the making. And that's the end of this story time segment. Alright, so now we've made it to the main event so we're gonna discuss what happened this weekend on the wrestling shows with raw nxt and smackdown and we're gonna start with raw and we're gonna start with my girls so oscar did a promo where she was talking about the match that she had um coming up with charlotte flair with this the champion versus champion match and she said that Asuka is always better, but Charlotte basically stays the same. Then you had Nia Jax versus Kyrie Sane. And this match was just, it wasn't completely one-sided because Kyrie Sane really did um, put up a huge and amazing, she put up a great fight up against Nia Jax, even though there's an obvious size difference. And a lot of the offense she was giving was, of course, you know, her signature kicks. And there were times where Nia Jax would knock her down or whatever. But Sane would also lock in a headlock and continue to kick her or whatever. But there was a point where Nia Jax gave her a headbutt um, on the top rope and then hit. And then it was just like, honestly, this match was dangerous because there are a lot of rumors going around that Nia Jax is basically a dangerous wrestler. And as much as I try not to, you know, feed into that negativity, it's kind of hard to believe that she isn't or she hasn't learned her lesson because this is also the same woman who broke Becky Lynch's nose. So I hate to even keep bringing that up, but that's just the truth. And I could see where there was an area where there was a part of this match where she threw Kyrie Sane and her head sort of into the steel steps and I could see that the trainees were kind of looking in horror at her like what did you just do and it was just really bad and they were just really they just looked really scared like what they were watching wasn't supposed to happen and Nia wound up winning the match which basically gave her momentum into um the match that she's set to have with Asuka at Backlash so that was interesting and I hope that Kyrie is basically okay. And then the match with Asuka and Charlotte Flair was pretty good. And I feel like the most impressive parts were basically Asuka's transitions into submissions. That was really cool. And the match was about as good as you can expect from those two. Um, it wasn't anything like their first battle at WrestleMania two years ago. But it was still just as good. Until, of course, Nia Jax came out to Asuka's music with the mask and the makeup on in order to get into Asuka's head. 
and then she clotheslined Oscar outside of the ring, and um, the match ended in a disqualification. So basically, everybody was just playing mind games. Nia was being mean, and it was terrible. And then Lana was going through a lot with MVP because they've been beefing a whole lot. Um, they were basically talking back and forth to each other. And there was a point where I believe MVP basically said that her career, like basically Lana, they were back and forth and Lana basically said like, you're just leeching onto my husband to save your whittling career or something like that. And then Lana and then MVP was like, well, I guess that makes both of us. And it's just so sad because Lana gets so much crap because when she tried to be a wrestler, it didn't necessarily work out the way that she wanted it to. And she was just relegated to just being a valet again. And now it's like she's not even a valet at this point. She's just there as Lashley's wife. But he sort of keeps her away because she's distracting. And now he's with MVP. So it's just like, it's not going to work anymore. So, um... Yeah, that was just kind of sad. And so she slapped the crap out of MVP. And that was just a lead into the match near the end between um, MVP and Drew McIntyre. And also, Zelina Vega was with Angel Garza. And they were talking smack at, Char at Charlie, who was enamored with Angel Garza. And there was a point where Zelina Vega tore up the rose that, she, that he gave her. And it was so sad And because Char cause Charlie was looking like, bro, like you really messed up my rose. Like, I'm so upset about that. So now on to the men. Seth Rollins had his whole little, I'm going to pay tribute to Rey Mysterio because he's going to retire because I put his eye out. Um, it was sad. And then... They did a tribute montage showing all of the best moments that Rey Mysterio had in WCW and in WWE. There was a something that I found really precious in this montage was the fact they showed this black boy in the audience who was screaming, I love you, I love you, Rey, and it was just so cute. And the video ended with the attack from Seth Rollins from when he put his eye out on the steps. And Seth basically said, He's undoubtedly a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it'll be my honor to induct you into the Hall of Fame. And as he was giving his pompous little speech or whatever, Aleister Black came out and interrupted him and beat him up, which led to their match. And it was pretty interesting. It started with a lockup um, with strikes from Aleister Black, and Seth kept running from his hits. And then Seth um, drug Black out of the ring, but then Black kicked him in his chest. And Seth started getting really scrappy and just started, you know, fighting like, not like a trained wrestler, but just kind of like a person who's just trying to just be, get, you know, scrappy. And um, Seth kept targeting Alistair's arm, but then Alistair Black kept battling back, but then Seth hit another drop kick. And then um, Seth Rollins hit a suicide dive onto Black into the barricade. And then um, Seth Rollins tried to hit an enziguri, but then he missed it. And then Seth's flunkies went up there um, to gang up on Alistair, but Humberto Carrillo came out to his aid with a chair. Then the match continued, and then Seth hit a frog splash on Alistair Black with a near fall. And then he tried to connect the curb soft like Kirk Franklin, and, dis and then tried to dedicate it to Rey Mysterio, but he missed it, so that's what you get. Um, Alistair Black then hit a knee on Seth as he jumps from the top rope. And then as Alistair Black prepared for the Black Mass, Austin Theory and Buddy Murphy came up there to distract them, but the Carrillo fought them off. And then Alistair Black hit a roll-up for the win. But could Alistair Black enjoy the win? No, he couldn't! Because Seth and his company attacked Alistair Black and Humberto Carrillo. And then Alistair Black said, fight me, you coward, and basically saying to leave Humberto alone. And he gave both of them a curb stomp with a satisfied look on his face. So Seth Rollins just being his evil, dastardly, wannabe messiah self, you know, you're not Jesus, sit down. Then um, they announced that Raw Talk, the uh, little talk show that they would do after Raw, um, was making a return on the free version of the WWE Network. You know, I felt bad because 
they're letting raw talk return, but not talking smack. Like, come on. Like, we deserve talking smack because that was a really good show. And Renee needs to host it. But I guess now since they have backstage, I can't really do too much. But anyway, then they showed a recap of Apollo Cruz's journey to the U- to the United States title. And this is where Angel Garza and Zelina Vega were basically chopping it up with Charlie and um, recapping Angel's victory over Kevin Owens as he attacked his knee and stuff. But at this point, Angel Garza was just using very hot references to describe his his win or whatever because that's his thing he likes to do. He likes to be, oh, I'm just a Lothario and I'm just so sexy and I'm just, ah. Anyway, um... <laughs> Now, I'm not going to lie, though. He's really good to look at. Um, This is where Vega, I guess, got jealous and just snatched a rose out of her face. But it doesn't matter. Now, Shawn Michaels, one of my personal favorite wrestlers and Hall of Famers, came on the screen with a beard to discuss the Edge versus Randy Orton match at Backlash, which they're saying is the greatest show. Anyway, um... (laughs) He was caught, Shawn Michaels was calling back to his classic matches at WrestleMania with Bret Hart, Razor Ramon, and The Undertaker. But he feels like Edge um, has the edge in the match because he actually said that due to time, experience, and fate. So he's backing um, Edge for the match and Ric Flair is backing Randy Orton, his evolution buddy for the match. So hey, here we go. And... Then we had Kayla announce Apollo Crews to the ring and Kayla congratulated him and Apollo Crews said that he was feeling really good as during his first week as champion. It feels really surreal. And he decided to face Kevin Owens um, for the United States Championship on Raw. And then Kevin Owens came out and congratulated him and said that he appreciated the opportunity, but he had an issue with Angel. But he felt like the uh, the challenge that Apollo issued to him for the U.S. title came out of pity. But Apollo reassured him and said that the challenge is actually out of respect. And so Kevin Owens, being the competitor that he is, said, I feel bad that your first title reign is going to be a short one. So... KO and Apollo Crews face each other for the United States title, and they started the match with a fist bump out of respect for each other. So I appreciated that. And there was a lockup, and then Crews hit a drop kick to a one count, and there was a headlock, and then there was a kip up. Then Kevin Owens kicked Apollo down. Then there was a fight outside of the ring, and there was an impressive spot with a backflip off of the apron from Apollo, and then Kevin hit a cannonball from the apron, and that was a really cool. Um, um, part of the match and Apollo feigned injury and then attacked with a flurry of punches Cruz hit his best moves to near falls and then KO tried to hit a backflip on to Apollo but then Apollo pulled up his knees but then the remnants of Los Ingobernables de Estados Unidos Andrade and Angel came out to interrupt the match and then it turned into a tag team match so yeah um, this match was what you could expect from a tag team match from these guys. It was really good and very fast paced. Um, Garza and Andrade attacked Cruz with stomps and kicks. Angel tried to hit the wing clipper, but Cruz tagged in Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens and Cruz won the match after a fast, won the match. And Andrade tried to cheat, but then Apollo kicked him in the head and hit a power bomb for the win. So... Then there was a segment where Rey Mysterio was addressing the WWE Universe after his um, eye injury from Seth Rollins. And he said he doesn't have a timetable for when he can return and he doesn't know if he really will retire and he just doesn't know. And Dominic, was his son, looked very visibly frustrated at the idea that um, his father was seemingly being passive about it and just being chill as he tends to do like Dominic's body language and facial expressions were very telling it was almost as if he was insinuating that he wanted to go and do something about it in his father's honor and when his dad left the screen after he expressed his anger towards Seth Rollins Dominic said Seth you believe in scripture right an eye for an eye and I was just like Dominic's coming and I'm really excited because I haven't really seen Dominic in a ring since Ray almost beat Brock Lesnar for the title that time. Like, if Dominic is training and if he's going to be a wrestler, I'm ready for it. Like, I feel like I've been watching Dominic my whole life now. But if he's going to wrestle, then I'm pumped for it. So, 
Then they showed Rob Gronkowski losing the 24-7 championship in his backyard um, because he was distracted doing a TikTok dance. And R-Truth was disguised as a yard dude and he won and ran away. So that was funny. And I guess now um, Gronk is is now freed up from the WWE to participate in NFL football with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with his buddy Tom Brady. So bye Gronk. Um... (laughs) And then there was a segment with the Street Profits and um, the Viking Raiders as they were bowling. And I'm just going to be real. I watched Raw on Hulu and they cut that part out and I was so upset. But hopefully I'll have a chance to rewatch it because I was just like, Hulu, how y'all going to have, how y'all going to say y'all got the whole episode on here and then don't have that part on there. But Anyway, I need my Montez and I need my Angelo. But anyway, the main event (laughs) was MVP versus Drew McIntyre. And then Lana came out for the match, I guess, to distract or get in MVP's head. Um, Drew went after MVP in the corner. And then then Drew gave MVP a Glasgow kiss. But Bobby was distracting Drew and MVP attacked him from behind. Then Bobby snatched MVP out of the ring, but then Drew flipped over the top rope on them, which was very impressive for somebody who looks like a, a like a heavyweight. Like this dude looks huge, and you wouldn't think that a big old muscular burly dude like that could do a backflip like that, but it was awesome. And he hit the claymore and beat MVP, but then Lashley attacked from behind and then locked Drew in a master lock. So he has a little bit of an upper hand going into the match. Um, at Backlash, which is next weekend. So that's all that happened on Raw. And so now we're going to go into NXT. Okay, so on NXT, there was a lot. Um, it was basically the go-home NXT before TakeOver in your house this Sunday. There was a lot going on. So we're going to start with the girls. Um, Chelsea Green and Robert Stone were basically bragging about their win from last week in the tag team match because Chelsea Green was tagging with NXT, champ- NXT Women's Champion Charlotte Flair um, against Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley. And they were bragging about the win. And then Chelsea said, after that win, I'm the hottest I've ever been. And she fired Robert Stone um, from being her manager. And he was just looking very bewildered and shocked and scared. So it was just kind of weird. And then after that, Aaliyah fought Santana Garrett. And this was a pretty interesting match because I feel like Aaliyah has been showing more of an aggressive side um, than we've seen from her before. And she's doing way better in terms of that because that's, you know, I guess more character work where she's an aggressive snob. So Aaliyah hit a neck breaker and became highly aggressive in the match. Stone came out to seemingly support Aaliyah as she kicked the crap out of Santana. And they were both slapping each other, but then Santana gave a hurricanrana and a backflip press for the win. But Aaliyah apologized to Robert Stone as he looked disheveled after losing Chelsea and watching her lose that match. Because I guess a few weeks ago, he was sort of looking at her as a possible addition to the Robert Stone brand. But she's been losing. It's like she's been showing more of an aggressive side, but somehow or another she just can't quite finish the job. So now he's just in his feelings. So let's pray for him. Um, <laughs> and then they did a prime target. Um, they did a prime target segment with Charlotte Flair um, talking about, well, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. And it started with Io. Io said, I'm better alone. Being alone makes me stronger. And Charlotte and Rhea should be afraid of me. Then it showed Rhea Ripley getting up early, like say maybe four o'clock in the morning and prepared like workout food. And then she basically talked about how last year was the greatest professional year for her. But then 2020 took everything, which I think is a general consensus for a lot of people. 2020 was just an unexpected stuff. Had a lot of unexpected stuff to happen. Um... She went into WrestleMania and walked out not the NXT Women's Champion. So she was feeling kind of sad about that. And then Charlotte was training at the Performance Center and said she was nervous for TakeOver because um, this was her first NXT TakeOver that she participated in in years. And she feels like it's full circle as she won her first NXT title against Natalya. 
and she feels like she's at home which is so funny because she said that when she first came to NXT when she was beefing with Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair they were chanting you don't go here but she was just like I made here which is true she was a part of that first class so yeah um Rhea Ripley was working out to get better and better and she recapped her challenge to Charlotte that she made on Raw that time and she just said that she wanted a dream match and just wanted to show that she had what it took to go toe-to-toe with Charlotte and then they talked about how Io Shirai started wrestling at 16 years old and um I believe it was either Pat McAfee or Sam Roberts no it wasn't it was Peter Rosenberg forgive me who called Io Shirai the AJ Styles of the women's division with her diverse background in wrestling. And Pat McAfee said that she that he was calling her to win the entire match. So that was cool to see. And then also in the women's division, you had um, Mia Yim at the beginning versus Candice LeRae. And this was a pretty physical matchup. Of course, you see Candice LeRae being more aggressive as she's turned heel. And then you have Mia Yim showing off her Taekwondo abilities and all that stuff. And of course, you know Candace's husband had to get involved in the match. <laughs> so Johnny Gargano was just being, you know, distracting or whatever. But then Keith Lee came out to um, Mia Yim's aid. And as I recall, Candace LeRae wound up winning the match somehow, but then they wound up beating each other up. So now, um, and with them beating each other up, it start it basically serves as the catalyst for Johnny Gargano having the advantage on the upper hand going into his match for the North American title against Keith Lee. And Mia Yim is going to be participating in a six-woman tag match at TakeOver In Your House with Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart as her partners against Dakota Kai and Raquel so, and Candice LeRae. So we have that to look forward to. And now on to the men. Um... Karrion Cross did a recap of last week's promo with Scarlett, who was looking like a Game of Thrones character, and Tommaso Ciampa was vowing to beat him, of course, this Sunday. But then Dexter Loomis participated in a promo, and the, I don't know this, I don't know her name, I forgot her name, I heard it said, but she asked him, you know, how does he feel about the Undisputed Era, and so he brought out a paint set to express his feelings about them, and he started painting and then after he finished the painting, it showed him driving a van with um, the Undisputed Era in the back of that van tied up. So Dexter Loomis is still giving off his serial killer vibes. So that's interesting. And then we'll see more of him later on in the show. And then there was a segment where Adam Cole met up with his um, Undisputed Era brothers in a limousine. So they were celebrating the one year anniversary of him winning the NXT championship. And it also showed, it was basically another prime target segment where it showed Velveteen Dream skating and reminiscing about Adam Cole's attacks on him. And he said that a beautiful NXT is the Dream's NXT. Then Adam Cole said that the U, that the Undisputed Era is the greatest thing he's done in his life. And he was toasting to a beautiful victory at In Your House. Then Velveteen Dream responded by saying that he was 24 years old. And he said, what happened and he said one, two, three was what happened the last time they were in the ring together. So he said, and then he looked in the mirror and told his um, girls to get out of the ring. And he said, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest NXT champion of them all? And guess who responded? Prince, except it was the ghost of Prince rather, or an actor playing Prince, saying with a guitar saying, the dream is. And um, dream was and in the segment they showed Pat McAfee again comparing Velveteen Dream to Dennis Rodman and I thought that was very telling and also very interesting that he would say that because they're both kind of similar in the sense that as good as they are in the ring I feel like they're about 50% really great in the ring and the other 50% is their ooze and their charisma and what they do outside of it in terms of their um characteristics and the Velveteen Dream is one of the most prolific and most ooze-worthy characters I've ever seen. I feel like I say ooze a lot, but yeah. Um, so the match they're going to be participating in at NXT TakeOver In Your House for the NXT Championship will be a backlot brawl. Here's hoping the Velveteen Dream wins because it's like I said on Twitter, like 
I just I just want Velveteen Dream to win this so bad because he has all of the charisma. He has all of the athleticism. He's young. He's fresh. He has everything that you could possibly want in a character. And I just want him to win so bad. Plus, I'm just tired of Michael Cole. I mean, not Michael Cole, but Adam Cole. So, yeah. Um, Tony Nese and Isaiah Swerve Scott had a match. And it was more so of a brawl than a, than a cruiserweight classic type match. And then Isaiah Swerve Scott was just trying to get revenge because Tony Nese cost him um, a win in the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. And though Jack Gallagher was trying to distract him, Scott wound up hitting a sunset flip on Tony Nese for the win. So that was good. And then we had the Undisputed Era in the form of Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch and a returning Breezango um for the number one contendership for Imperium's NXT tag team titles. So Brizango came out dressed as astronauts, much to Beth Phoenix's delight. Um it's so funny to hear her like lust after these dudes like just knowing full where her husband's edge, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> um she's allowed to look, I guess. And then it was basically a physical fast paced barn burner type of a match. But then the most interesting part was the fact that Dexter Loomis was watching the Undisputed Era from the audience and um, Breezango wound up taking advantage of the distraction to become the number one contenders for the tag titles. And then Imperium came out to scope out Breezango, but then Indu shared with Malcolm Bivens came out to intimidate both teams. Now here lately, I've been wondering where Indushare went because for a second, they started off kind of hot, but then eventually they kind of just disappeared. And I was like, where they at? But then you started seeing Michael Malcolm Bivens more on television as, you know, an NXT trainee in the audience and stuff for the, for Raw and SmackDown. So now they're back. So that's good. And we had Cameron Grimes versus Bronson Reed. And... Cameron Grimes just I just get so tired of his old town road red dead redemption 2 looking self um so he won his match against the thick boy with double with a double stomp and then he was bragging about it but then Karrion Cross came out there and then attacked Bronson Reed with a suplex and he told Tommaso Ciampa this special is going to happen this Sunday and then the main event was Drake Maverick versus El Hijo del Fantasma for the Cruiserweight title. And everybody was cheering for Drake Maverick because we were still under the impression that he was going to um, be leaving after this match. And Eho covers him to a quick near fall, but then Eho won, wound up after like a back and forth match, Eho wound up winning with a kick after the mysterious suited luchadors came out to distract drew um not drew but drake maverick and he fought them off and basically said no you're not gonna ruin this match for me and he went back in there and then el hijo kicked him and hit the one two three so now um el hijo is your new cruiserweight champion so as drake was making his exit out of the ring and out of the arena as he was crying and at this point i'm crying too um he was getting applauded he was getting applauded by the trainees and then triple h came out being the resident father that he is and had him sign an nxt contract so as he's crying he winds up re-signing with wwe under the nxt banner so now drake maverick is staying which is a beautiful ending to this story so that's the end of the nxt segment and now we're gonna go to smackdown Alright, so now we're going to talk about the last show this week, which is SmackDown. SmackDown tonight was pretty solid. Um, we're going to start with the girls. <laughs> and the first women's match we sort of saw was um, basically Lacey Evans versus Sonya Deville again. And this match was pretty good. It was definitely solid in terms of his action. 
but I felt like the best part about it was just the fact that Sonya was basically being aggressive with her and just basically just kept calling her a blonde over and over again and you know being disparaging towards Lacey um but I felt like one of the greatest parts of it storytelling wise was the fact that Mandy who was just out you know during Otis's match with Baron Corbin got on a video and basically got on the screen and said you'll always be a failure you're not a fighter and then she got distracted and she was like you're a stupid blonde and da 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 and then Lacey Evans hit the women right on her and then won the match and I was so glad that Mandy did that to get into Sonya's head because here lately it's just been Sonya getting into Mandy's head and it was almost getting kind of one-sided so I'm glad that Mandy was able to get back at her in that way and that that feud just isn't over simply because Mandy's like happy with Otis or whatever. So I'm glad to see Mandy in two storylines right now. And her jeans outfit was so cute. I was like, girl, wear dinner more often. And her braid was um on point too. So now I love Mandy, which is a huge growth spurt from where I was last year. But we're not going to discuss that right now. That's another episode. Um, <laughs> So also with the women we had really the only thing the only other thing they had with the women was a tag team match for the women's tag titles against bailey and sasha and alexa bliss and nikki cross and that was the main event of the show and i'm so happy that we live in a world now where women being the main event is just the norm now so it's just like yay and this match was definitely good because you saw a lot of the tag team language that bailey and sasha had as the Boston Hug connection sort of um, manifest itself until, of course, the end, which was kind of shady. Um, you saw Bailey sort of being more aggressive with being more aggressive with Nikki Cross and sort of keeping her from tagging Alexa Bliss. And I thought that was a really good, that was a very interesting thing. And then also you had like Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross had this one impressive spot in the match where Alexa Bliss hit the sunset the sunset drop and then Nikki Cross hit the tornado DDT outside of the ring on Bailey and that was really impressive but sadly they couldn't get it together and there was a point where Sasha was basically doing all of the grunt work towards the end of the match and she was she had Nikki Cross into in the um bank statement but then Bailey started getting more aggressive and was like move out of the way Sasha let me do it and I and Sasha was just looking like girl what are you doing and Nikki Cross wound up reversing it and then um Sasha wound up breaking the count and then moving Bailey out of the way and then Bailey started beating up on Alexa outside and then Sasha hit the bank statement and then Nikki Cross reversed it and then Sasha Banks reversed it with a cover and wound up winning the tag titles for her and Bailey. So now we have Bailey two belts and then we also have Sasha with the tag titles again. But I'm pretty sure, you know, from the picture that they put posted on um, Instagram and Twitter, where Sasha sort of has a straight face and Bailey's just kind of like a happy child or whatever, that they're still planting those seeds. And I feel like that's really the most important thing is that those seeds are just going to still be planted because the way Bailey shoved Sasha out of the way and the way Sasha was looking was just kind of like, bro, like, why, what are you doing? Like, it was almost like she tried to take all the glory. But my thing is, quite honestly, I told my dad as I was watching this that I feel like Sasha should be the one carrying those titles on her shoulders simply because of the fact that she did all the work in that match and Bailey almost ruined it like seriously girl you need to calm down um <laughs> so that's pretty much it for the women on that part and then the show started with the men um with jeff hardy talking backstage to people and then he was talking and then they did a recap of last week's incident so if you didn't see smackdown last week um jeff hardy got involved in a car wreck and he was being framed for driving drunk by sheamus and he injured elias um in the process somehow and then Sheamus had a semifinals match with Daniel Bryan to qualify for the Intercontinental title finals. But he was distracted by a freed Jeff Hardy and he lost. So Jeff Hardy started the show and they announced that Elias had a torn pectoral muscle and something else. And so he's going to be out for a while. And something that was really cool was seeing the NXT trainees dance to Jeff Hardy's theme song. It was really cute. It's so cool to see them get into it just like we do. 
Um, and he addressed last week's incident. He said he pulled up to the parking lot and then he got hit by um, his own car and then he blacked out. And then when he came to, he knows that his clothes were wet with alcohol. And it broke his heart because he was working hard for his sobriety. And he said, and he didn't know how he could look in his wife and children's eyes and beg for forgiveness again. But then he reassured himself and saying that he's here in the WWE for a reason. And even though his head was spinning, he knew that he didn't relapse, but he didn't use the word relapse. Um, and then he said that there were a couple of fans who saw the person who got out of the car and he had red hair and red beard, which means I was Seamus. And he told Seamus, you tried to take away everything from me and I'm not going to let you get away with it. And then Seamus came out there and he said, you are always blaming other people for your problems. Those fans that lied to the cops on your behalf are liars and enablers. For once in your life, be a man and admit what you did. You're not a man, you're a junkie. And he said, don't worry about disappointing your wife and your kids because they're used to it. And after that point, of course, they got to fighting. And then Seamus attacked Jeff and gave him a bro kick and then threw him into the barricades. So that was rough. Then we had Otis and Mandy backstage, you know, and as they were walking backstage, Otis took King Corbin's crown. And then, of course, King Corbin had a whole hissy fit with one of the producers about it. So he went to the ring and proceeded to try to beat up Otis. But then every time he for everything that he kept hitting Otis with, Otis was just coming back even harder. And Mandy, of course, is rooting for him. And Otis wound up winning the match. So that was cool. And... Well, no, actually Otis got, Otis won the match, but then Corbin basically got disqualified due to the chair shot. So there we go. And then we had a segment where Mojo Raleigh was making fun of Shorty G because of course, you know, everybody's been making short jokes at him, which I feel like is becoming long in the tooth now at this point. It's like, we get it. He's short. Like, it's just, it just feels so weird because they never really threw shade at Rey Mysterio for being short or whatever. But yet somehow or another, they're throwing shade at, at Chad Gable for it. And it's just annoying. Like, stop it. Like, find something else to make fun of him for, aside from the fact that he's short. Like, it's just stupid. And so Mojo was calling him short, but then Gable turned around and he got attacked by, um, by Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura backstage. But then the New Day came to his defense. And also in the night, you had Miz and Morrison pranking and giving warnings to Braun Strowman because they're set to fight for the Universal title at Backlash. Like, they did everything from messing his messing up his sodas to even damaging his car and even trying to splash Nickelodeon slime on him but wound up splashing it on Kayla during an interview. It was just really bad. And they were just acting like a bunch of weird kids. And they were kind of hysterical together. There was this one point where John Morrison made a reference to um, my favorite, one of my favorite 90s songs of all time, This Is How We Do It um, by Montel Jordan. Like when they were in the van talking or whatever, he said, this is how we do it. It's Friday night. And I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> that is my song. Like literally, like if you were to play that song anywhere, I'm bound to dance. It's hilarious. But their pranks wound up, of course, getting the best of them because Braun Strowman, you know, yelled at security. It's like, where are they? Where are they? And then eventually security gave them up and said they were in the white van. So he wound up trying to break into the van. But then um, Miz and Morrison were trying to get out of the van, but they didn't have the keys. So they were literally just sitting ducks in there. And of course, you know, Braun Strowman has to be the strong man. And so he lifted up the van and flipped it over as they were freaking out about getting flipped over. So, Braun Strowman basically has the upper hand in that. And then there was a match between um, The New Day and Shorty G and Mojo Raleigh, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro. And that match was really good in the sense that you got to see um, Chad Gable sort of mix it up a little bit with this team that he's never fought with before in The New Day. And they had really great chemistry in the ring. And... I feel like there were like two points where Kofi and Mojo almost got injured with their knees and Mojo got injured. Well, not with his knee, but kind of like with his ankle. And I was just like, are they okay? Like, I was just like hoping that Kofi just wasn't going to be injured because I'm just like, no, we can't. I can't handle another injured New Day member. I just can't. 
get well soon, Xavier. I miss you. Um, so after a really great tag team match, the New Day and Shorty G wound up winning. And yeah, that was just a really good match. And I wouldn't be opposed if um, Shorty G wound up hanging out with the New Day way more now, considering he's sort of by himself. So if he just, you know, hung out with them and was just like, you know, the, I guess, new member of the New Day, then I wouldn't be opposed to that. And then AJ Styles and Drew Gulak had a match after AJ Styles was getting in Daniel Bryan's face. And there was a point where AJ Styles was saying that Daniel Bryan choosing to fight for his place in the tournament was noble, but it wasn't smart. Like his plan was to basically um, take the buy into it. And mind you, taking the buy into a tournament where you really don't have to fight is actually quite smart because he didn't have to fight Elias after that accident happened. But, you know, Daniel Bryan's a sweet guy. He's a good guy. So he's going to fight and be noble about it. So after they traded insults or whatever, Drew Gulak came out and started beating up on AJ Styles. And so that led to them having a match against each other, which was pretty solid for the most part. And Drew Gulak wound up winning. And I was so shocked because I'm just like, oh my God, Drew. Because lately he hasn't, Drew wasn't really winning against Daniel Bryan in those matches, but he wound up winning against AJ Styles. So I'm wondering if he's, you know, if they're really just beefing him up for like a push now, or if they were just doing that to get in AJ Styles' head before his Intercontinental title match. So... And before that, with the promo that Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles were having, I appreciated that Daniel Bryan was saying that when he's the IC champion, he's going to defend it every week against the best of the best. And basically that AJ Styles would only be champion just to prove that he was better than everyone, which is true. So in essence, it was just a really good episode of SmackDown. Um, I'm really excited to see where they go with everything in terms of backlash and all of the above, which is next weekend. So that ends this segment of This Week in Wrestling, and we're gonna go to the conclusion. Thank you so much for supporting my podcast um I know I say it every episode but I absolutely mean it because now I'm reaching a point where I'm not only just connecting with different podcasters um on social media and just doing new things um I'm also building up a following on social media now I have I'm blessed to say that I have 130 followers on Instagram and 105 followers on Twitter and a lot of followers who are some of my friends on Facebook but then other followers as well on my Facebook page. I am just really grateful that I'm able to share in this gift with y'all and to share something that I love so very much um, with you guys and I would just like to say that in the next coming weeks as you're watching wrestling just as you're watching wrestling just find your joy I just challenge you to find your joy in it because there's so much going on in the world today with so much craziness and so much darkness but if you can find a little bit of light that you can while watching wrestling then please bask in it. Or even if you just, even if you're listening to this and you may not even watch wrestling, um, just find your joy. Just find something that makes your heart sing. Find something that makes you remember that there are things to smile about. So with that in mind, um, if you are new to this podcast and you want to find out more about it, if you have any questions for me, um, follow me on Facebook at Hardy Wrestling with Stephanie Hardy. Um, that's my page. You can also follow me on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod. And just listen to me anywhere you get your podcast. I have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to that's called Hardy Wrestling with Stephanie Hardy. I have a link tree where you can find all the links to those 
places you can listen to this podcast on. And also this weekend, I will be um, participating in a Facebook watch party with other podcasters um, on Facebook. So this Sunday, if you want to check that out, please do. Hopefully, I'll be able to post a link this weekend. And also, I want to announce that the wrestling, the, the Wrestle Hub, my bad, the Wrestle Hub, um, announced that voting for the Wrestling Podcast Awards 2020 will begin on September the 1st, which is my birthday month, um, ironically. Um, so once that voting begins, I will be sharing that on all of my social media platforms. So you can vote for me um, for it. I know that I'm brand new, <laughs> but if you enjoy this show and if you, you know, support this show, please vote for me for any for for to be nominated. It would be really great because this is a completely new avenue that I'm finding my way in. And if you voted for me to be nominated, that would be really fantastic. And I'll be sharing more about it, you know, the closer it gets since it's just June now. But I just wanted to put that out there um, into the universe. And hopefully I'll have more collaborations and more interviews coming soon. So with that in mind, I thank you so much for supporting this show as it is and for supporting it as it grows. And until next time, this is Hardy Wrestling with me, your girl, Stephanie Hardy. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy every breath you take. Don't take life for granted and just find the joy in life again. Bye, y'all.